Welcome to Pink Girl Podcast. I'm Alicia Clayton, your host. This is a podcast about women's stories and all things girl power. Hi, and welcome to the episode. I'm so excited to have Danielle Dinkelman with us today. Welcome. Hey, Alicia. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Um, Danielle has just um, published a book. She has an awesome coaching business. And so I'll just let her kind of introduce herself. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on. I'm really excited to talk with you and talk with your people. Yes. um, Danielle Dinkelman. I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach. Been practicing for about four years now. And I just came out with my first book. It's called If Diets Don't Work, What Does? Awesome. What's the subtitle? A Doable, Enjoyable Guide to Living the Life You Want. Cool. And really proud of it. And I'm really excited you should be, to get it girl. in people's hands, right? <laughs> yes. Women can be proud of themselves. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, you've been on quite the journey too, with your own health and your husband's health and um, just your goals for your children. And so maybe tell us a little bit about what you, what got you started on your health journey and what yeah. got you started on your book. Yeah. Um, my journey has had like many stepping stones. Like I almost kind of look at it as like the Hansel and Gretel, like breadcrumbs (laughs) and you, and you follow this one and then it leads you to the next. Um, and there's so many like moments that kind of sparked different pieces that over the last decade, even decade and a half has kind of pieced together what my healthy lifestyle looks like. And then it kind of morphed into yeah, wanting to help others be successful with it. Um, and then it went right into the book, but, um, it really kind of started for me with physical fitness actually first when I was in a really bad car accident in college, um, in 2006, I rolled my car. I was going 85 miles an hour on I-15 down here in Utah. And, uh, man, that was nasty. And for years I had chronic pain and chronic headaches. Mm. And I found really quickly that I needed to put some different habits and lifestyle pieces into my life that had never been there before so that I could just function day to day. And so that was yoga for me and Mm. going to massage therapy and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like piece after piece. The next thing that came was running And that came really as grief therapy after I'd had a stillborn baby girl. That was in Mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like, I needed an outlet for Mm -hmm. the emotions. Right. And I had a wonderful uh, massage therapist that said, you've got to, you've got to do something with this emotion. And Mm -hmm. she's like, why don't you try running? (laughs) So for me, that worked really great. Um, you're probably most familiar with our kind of our journey with food and healthy eating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're familiar with our story of, um, kind of being led to first like whole foods and clean eating Mm. mainly because my kids, they were really small at the time. And I was really sick and tired of seeing them like burn through goldfish and pretzels. (laughs) Like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, and I was looking around it just, that was normal. Like that was kid food. And so I would buy boxes of these things at Costco and think they would last me for a month. And when they would last me for two weeks, right. You know, (laughs) So I really found myself interested in understanding food better of, okay, what is it about this food that is like broken because it's clearly not helping my kids be full and satisfied. So I really 
started learning about whole foods and having things that were less processed and having things that had more fiber and things like that. And that eventually led to going down the Netflix rabbit hole of wonderful food documentaries. <laughs> and I've watched all of them, but one that really got my attention was Forks Over Knives. And the reason it got my attention is because I had grandparents that all had heart disease and stroke and these things that I thought were genetic. And I, I always figured, okay, I'm probably going to be, that's probably going to be that. my future. Um, but this really kind of shifted my thinking to, oh, actually we can prevent and even reverse some of these really common, what, what I now understand as lifestyle disease, we can prevent it with, with a whole food plant-based approach to nutrition. And little did I know that that would be a huge blessing six months later when my husband got a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for cancer, that if we lean more toward a whole food plant-based approach with our food we can actually even prevent and re reverse cancer, wow. um, which we Huge. did. <laughs> we Huge. did. Yeah. It's, it was, it was life-changing. Um, and I, I do believe in divine intervention and providence and inspiration. And I definitely felt guided in each of those steps. But yeah. Over, over time, it's just become like this compound, like snowballing effect of okay, healthy living, healthy habits, like this well-rounded approach really, really matters. And it really makes a difference. Um, I've seen so many things improve, not only in my husband's health and my kids' health, but my own of just feeling better. You don't realize how crummy you feel until you start making some positive changes and you create a new normal for yourself. And it's just, it's like you come out of the fog that you didn't know you were in. Mm. So the book has kind of come out of that. Um, of just wanting to help other people see healthy living and habits from a more doable, enjoyable perspective. I think the health and wellness space can be a really overwhelming, overwhelming. place to hang out. Yeah. It can be kind of a shame inducing place mm -hmm. to hang out. Mm -hmm. And in my coaching practice, I've really worked with mostly women mm -hmm. that have been on the dieting roller coaster and they feel pretty beat up by it. Yeah. And so this is really a gentle a uh, loving way to restart your, your approach to health and, and really like caring and nurturing yourself in, in a holistic way. I love that. Well, and you're really good at sharing like really great go-to recipes and showing pictures of your food on Instagram and just like making that so much more reachable and enjoyable and like inviting, you know, mm -hmm. I, which I love that approach. You just make it look like it's doable. You know, it's not yeah. just like, uh, I've got to spend three hours cooking, you know? Oh no, no, gosh. I've got four kids. I run a business. I, I do not spend all day in the kitchen. Um, work. there's definitely <laughs> a learning curve, you know, when you adopt a new way of thinking about food or when you are adopting some healthier habits in other areas, there's always going to be trade-offs, sure. right? You have to make that choice of, okay, I'm going to invest a little bit of time, money, energy into these things. But a big crux of the book and my coaching practice is helping it become a habit, helping it become a new normal and, you know, working so hard that you burn yourself out is in, is in direct contrast to that. And, and that's really what we see way too much of in the health and wellness space. Mm -hmm. And that really is informed by, and comes from diet culture. Yeah. Um, it's kind of that go big or go home, no pain, no gain. And it really doesn't serve us when we're thinking like sustainable changes. Yes. Yes. I love that. 
um, how do your kids do with um, the healthy eating and what kind of pushback do they give you or how do you kind of relinquish control? Kind of that balance there. Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one that moms especially have to sure. confront. And this is a big obstacle that it, I think it holds moms back a little bit from being willing to make a, an adjustment in how they're feeding themselves and their family because right. they're worried about the pushback that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I like to say that I lovingly put my foot down <laughs> that, that some things were just going to change. Right. Um, but, but also you look at our story, our story of changing the way we were eating, it spanned about, I don't know, three, four years from the point that we went kind of whole food, clean eating, and then eventually kind of moved in this direction of plant-based. I know people that try to do both overnight and it can be really overwhelming (laughs) because it's very different. Um, but pushback from kids, you know, it was definitely, you know, we all have our, like our little mental checklist of like, oh my gosh, my kids would freak out if I got rid of cheese or my kids right. would freak out if I stopped buying chicken nuggets, you know, in the freezer section, but you know, kids, especially when they're young, they're so adaptable. Mm. They're so adaptable and they're so, um, uh, they're teachable, you know, yeah. they, they, they want, they want to learn, they want to understand. So the way I approached it was really from a place of, Hey kids, mommy is learning some new things and we're going to, we're going to, you know, see this that's in the fridge. I'm not going to buy that once it's gone. I'm not buying it anymore. And this is, here's some new things that we can try, Mm. you know? So, so being open to involving them in the process seemed to really help. Um, And then, yeah, there were some things that we just kind of had to put our foot down of like, sorry, we're just not doing that anymore. And so some things just eventually fell out of the picture and I definitely have one picky eater um, that has, uh, we all have has had a hard time. Yeah, maybe a few. Um, but, you know, you can always find things that they will eat, right? Mm-hmm. Even in, you know, more of the whole foods or even in more of the plant-based. So just being creative, being flexible, um, not stressing about it. Yeah. One of the most helpful thoughts when you're adjusting your nutrition with your kids is to remember that kids don't need a ton of calories to survive. <laughs> they really don't. I had a, I had a human development class in college. And I remember the professor, he was just, he was kind of speaking to that of, Hey, when you're a mom and your kids aren't eating, will you just like not stress out about it? Yeah, that releases <laughs> you know? a ton of weight. Yeah. Yeah. So really trusting the process that, you know, when they are hungry, they will find something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll make something that my picky eater will not eat. Mm-hmm. And so I let her go make herself a peanut butter sandwich and okay. it's okay. Yeah. You know, she's not having it every single day. It's okay. There are plenty of other things that she does eat. So I think sometimes, especially as the moms, if we can have a, a kind of, a chill, relaxed, calm, uh, attitude about this and not make it this really stressful, overwhelming pressure, uh, super strict, high pressure sort of thing. Um, it, you know, we need breathing room, the kids need breathing room and letting it take time to, you know, be a process. It's okay. Oh, I love that. Well, and I like how you said too, is just showing your passion with your kids. Like, I think that's something um, that really is powerful is for our kids to see what we get excited about and what we love. And that's so much more motivating than that pressure and that perfectionist and, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Um, yeah. As every time I learned something new, 
like, I'm kind of a teacher by nature. That's kind of like just how I roll. And I know not everybody's this way, but there's so many like teaching opportunities and wow, like, isn't this cool? Like I learned this new thing and, oh, I never knew this before. And, you know, when they ask questions, answer them the best you can and be, be frank, be honest. Mm. Um, you know, my kids ask me questions in the grocery store about mom, why don't we buy cheese? Um, you know, or mom, why can't I have those pretzels or why don't we get those goldfish? And so I've, I've found, I try to find just really simple, clear ways that I can teach them and explain it to them because kids want to know why. Oh, you know, so, so the more you get in touch with your why, and the more you research things and understand them better, share it with your kids. Don't just tell them this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. How do you navigate? Like when your kids go to a friend's house or church or something and get things that you maybe don't agree with, like, how do you kind of navigate that? That is a really important question too. Um, I love the principle of teach correct principles and then let them govern themselves. Yeah. So the way we do it, and I've seen a lot of other families do it this way too. And I really think from a psychological standpoint, it's a really, really good way to go is, you know what, in my house and when I'm paying for food Mm. outside of the house, it's going to be whole food. It's going to be plant-based. Um, but yeah, they're going to go to grandma's and grandma's going to give them ice cream and that's okay. Yeah. They're going to go to a birthday party and they're going to have cupcakes and and cake and ice cream. And that's okay. They're going to go to school and they're going to come home with chocolate and you know, whatever, like it's going to happen. Um, I also do let my kids pick one day a week that they go have school lunch. So they have hamburgers and pizza and the whole thing. And I think that that just supports them in being kind of normal, (laughs) like, like socially and psychologically. And it also, from my perspective, that really, I care about what they're eating. Like I know how it impacts their bodies. I know how it impacts their immune system. Um, I care about these things and I want them to learn it for themselves and experience it for themselves. So letting them govern themselves outside of the house actually lets them experience the contrast of how it feels in their own body to be eating things that they don't normally eat. Oh yeah. And they can come home. (laughs) This might sound mean, but they come home from grandma's and they're like, mom, I have such a stomach ache. I'm like, like, why do you you think that is? And it's not like in a, I told you so sort of way, but it's a teaching moment. And it's a, it's, it's an opportunity to let them like notice how, okay, when I eat exactly, when I eat this, I tend to feel this way. Huh? Interesting. And then I let them again, govern themselves. Maybe they'll choose differently. Maybe they won't, but at least they're getting to have their own experience with it. Oh, that's awesome. How have you noticed, like, what have you noticed about your kid's energy level and their health and stuff since kind of adapting this healthier eating? I love, these are such good questions. Um, my favorite thing, and if I could like shout from the rooftops mm-hmm. to every single mother on this planet, especially in like the Western world where we eat not so great, garbage. <laughs> um, we eat garbage, um, immune system. Mm. Uh, we, before we really kind of dove into the plant-based side of things, um, I watched a documentary called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and he teaches about how the, our food interacts with our immune system and how, you know, more processed food, more animal-based foods are naturally more inflammatory. And inflammation is like one of the worst things that we could introduce to our immune system. It suppresses our immune system. 
In contrast, one of the best things you can do for your immune system is to include more colorful fruits and vegetables and to have a diet that's rich in fiber. Okay. Mm -hmm. So really we're, we're looking more whole foods. We're looking more plant-based, right? So I actually did an experiment with my family before we really decided to make this change. And it was, it was in the heat of cold and flu season. Mm -hmm. And at the time my kids were really little, I had, yeah, I had all four of my kids at the time. And my youngest was just, I think he was still nursing at the time. And my oldest was maybe like six or seven. Um, anyway, so I said, Hey kids, um, you're all, you all kind of have the sniffles and we're going to do an experiment. And just for this week, we're going to say no sugar and we're going to say no dairy. And we're just going to see if our bodies will kind of kick this cold quickly. Now, I don't know about you, but for my family, before we made this change, it was pretty normal for, first of all, if somebody gets a runny nose or a cough, they bring it home and then everybody in the family gets it. Right. (laughs) The other thing that happens is that any individual that is not feeling well, um, they will have those symptoms for a solid, like seven to 10, 14 days, right. Before it really goes away. So that was kind of the norm. We did this experiment and I kid you not, they all kicked this runny nose thing in five days. Oh my. And it was just done. It was so cool. It really, really got my attention. Just by taking out dairy and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. And, and the other side of things that we added was, you know, I tried to have a smoothie for them every day that was full of fruits and vegetables. Um, anyway, so that really got my attention. And so we've been eating this way for about four years now. And I've got to tell you, we don't get sick. And when we do, we beat it so fast and it does not, it doesn't pass through our family. Like one person will kind of struggle if, you know, maybe if they're under a little bit more stress or maybe they have been a little, a little more uh, liberal with what they've been eating, but it's such a blessing because my life doesn't have to slam on the brakes every once in a while or for the entire cold and flu season. So huge blessing. Amazing. So I love that you talk about your, the impact of your kids and your husband. How do you, I know as a like entrepreneur myself and as a mom and having a career, how do you, I'm always asking this question to my guests, like, how do you balance the work home life? Mm, I and I would question. ask that of men and women, but especially women, because we are always oh, yeah. juggling the two. We don't often ask men, how do you balance your work home life? This is just like, they don't have to worry about it, but as much, I would say in general, but as women, yeah. we do. Yeah. You know, most, most of us, we do kind of bear the brunt of kind of that nurturing and the home management side of things. Right. So I think that's a really natural question. Um, for me, this has been an ongoing exploration. I mean, I have always worked a little bit, um, you know, even from the first baby that I had, I've always been involved in, um, teaching music, you know, so that was, that was my first business was running a a private music studio and teaching, teaching music lessons. Um, but it was a whole different thing. Once I started my coaching business and I was working more like 15 to 20 hours a week, um, you know, all those things. So number one for me is the self-care piece. Mm. It's, it's this idea of if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be much good to anybody else. My clients, my business, my husband, my children, my house, like it will all fall apart (laughs) (laughs) if I, if I don't prioritize me and what I need. 
And I think this is counterintuitive for most of us as women. I know it was for me initially, and this has been an ongoing process. Um, there's a whole chapter in my book about uh, self-care. It's the stress management chapter. Mm. It's so the other side of the coin with stress management, the answer is self-care. And I don't mean like bubble baths and massages. I'm talking, what do you need to fill your cup? What do you need to feel happy, balanced, fulfilled? Mm. You know, all of those things like energized. So can for Netflix me, I try count? like, can, can I count Netflix? <laughs> you know what? Sustainable. It's not sustainable. <laughs> well, Netflix, honestly, it that is a part of my what I would call self-care because that's where I bring in a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of escape. It's a little bit of just like this is something that's just for me. Um, but I, you know, I think all of us can probably have like this love-hate relationship with Netflix of, and it's similar to like emotional eating, right? Are we are we in an emotional relationship with Netflix where it's like, (laughs) we use it to numb out. Mm -hmm. We use it to like, really like not deal with our life when maybe there's some other pieces that need to be addressed. Right. So I do think that there can be a healthy place (laughs) for Netflix. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So self-care questions I ask myself are like, what do I need to like, for me, I need fun. Mm. And this was something that I was very out of touch with. Interesting. And I'm, I'm like a recovering overachiever, recovering workaholic. And I've learned that I need fun and fun is valuable. Play is valuable, yeah, even as an yeah. adult, yeah. right? So for me, that's going and playing pickleball with my cool. girlfriends. Okay. Cool. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's watching a little bit of Netflix from time to time. Um, so, so how can we have some fun? Um, also most people think self-care is like about relaxing and there is a place for that. And then there's also like what recharges you, what energizes you, what lights you up. Mm. And, and yeah, like I said, women, we just tend to not take the time or give ourselves the permission to ask these questions. So that's got to come first. Um, some more like tactical pieces that I do for my work. Um, work-life balance is creating a model calendar for myself and creating containers. So there's certain times of the day that I'm putting a certain hat on. There's a time of the day where I just have my mom hat and I'm driving carpool and I'm running to the grocery store. But then there's times of the day where I have my business hat on or my coaching hat on. And you know what? Like I, I protect that space by my kids know that mom is working and interruptions are not allowed unless somebody is on fire, Yeah, I love <laughs> you know, or that. Yeah, it is. I really think it is. Healthy. And then I take, I take my little guy, my preschooler. Um, I take him to daycare that's and great. you know, I think that's Good a big piece. That's a big piece that a lot of us struggle with mm. of like, there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes around that of like, Oh no, I'm a bad mom. If I take my kid to daycare, um, I have the best daycare provider. She's actually a good friend of mine. She runs it out of her home. It's a very small group of kids and gosh, she's only there like maybe six to nine hours a week. Sure. Like, sure. I mean, it's affordable and it gives me the space. It helps me create that sacred container where I can just show up and be in one mindset. That's where the work-life balance becomes absolutely chaotic is when 
we try, we are literally trying to juggle it at once. Like you're at the computer trying to write an email to a client or whatever. It never works. It and, never works. And the kids, no, it doesn't, right? And we've all tried it. Oh yeah. So how can we create boundaries and containers for the things that we need to do? Oh, I love okay. that. It's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the final piece that comes to mind with this is really kind of the mindset of remodeling the belief that you can't be a good mom and a successful business owner. Yeah. You know, that, that if I'm a successful woman in my career or my business, it will come at a cost. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I have grappled with this, especially within the last year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So I really kind of had to get to that place of looking around and, and rather than comparing myself to how I'm mothering or how I'm showing up, compared to how other women that aren't working and aren't running a business showing up, I can't compare myself to the full-time stay-at-home mom anymore. No, no, I can't. No. Yeah. I have to draw that line. And I really found myself like one foot on the dock, one foot in the boat of trying to be the quintessential stay-at-home mom and the successful entrepreneur. And you, you can't do that to yourself. Like get in the freaking boat and say, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to explore what this looks like for me to help my children thrive and help my business thrive and help myself thrive. There is, there has to be a win, win, win situation. And, and only you are going to know what, what that that's going like, to look yeah. like. And is it going to take trade-offs and sacrifice? Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to pay for daycare. Yeah. Your kids are going to have time that they are managing themselves mm-hmm. when they're old enough mm-hmm. and that's okay. Oh, and yeah. I do think it's good for the kids. I think it's good for them to see not only that mom is doing something that's mm-hmm. enriching herself and developing, you know, other people and serving other things, but I think it also gives them an opportunity to be independent and to really step into their own sure. space. Well, and I, even if you were to work full-time and have a career and have your kids in daycare full-time, just knowing like that you found your place that works for you and it works for your family and just owning that and being confident in that is, I think is Definitely. huge. And that is really hard to do as women. We have a yes. lot of guilt in our culture, especially. Yeah, we put a lot of expectations on ourselves and and anytime we're kind of in that comparison mode, it's really not serving, you know, Um, anytime you can just really look around at your own home, just take stock of your own family Mm -hmm. and ask yourself, are my children thriving? Yes or no? And, and, and if you feel like it's a no, then what do they need? Yeah. Okay. How can we get them what they need? And it may not be coming from you. It right. may be coming from a service provider. Thank it may you. be coming, you know, Take it may be coming from getting in, it may come from getting dad involved more mm. or, or grandma or whatever, like get creative, but sit down. I actually had a client that, that brought up such a powerful point the other day. Um, she said, Danielle, is there really any room for guilt or shame? And I said, no. And she was kind of coming to the same conclusion. And she noticed, she said, I think that whenever I'm letting the guilt and the shame come in, that's it. It keeps me from asking the right questions. Love that. Isn't that powerful? powerful. And I was like, yes, you're exactly right. So if we can just like set the guilt and the shame on the shelf and say, okay, assuming that I'm not feeling guilty or shameful about this, let's look at this objectively. Where are we at with things? Am I okay with how it's going? If not, what am I going to do about it? What, what, what are the needs? 
and what are my resources other than just yourself? Yes. I love that. Well, it reminds me of a time a few months back where I could not, I had my, one my second child has a really hard time going to school because of her anxiety. And one day I was just like fit to be tired, trying to get her to school. And my husband had a meeting and I was like losing my mind. And I was like, I don't want to yell again and lose it. So I called up one of my girlfriend, like in tears. And I was like, she's my neighbor. And I was like, can you please just come get her to school for me? Like, it can't be me. And she just dropped everything, bless her and came and just talked her through it. And she was like, I'll just drive her. And I just like cried. Cause I was like, that's what women helping women looks like. You know, that's yes. a true friend to be like, I've done all I can do. And now I need to ask for help and it's okay. <laughs> it's good yes. for my kids too. I yeah. love that. I love yeah. that. And that's good for everyone. Really the piece of that equation that really I see not happening enough is the asking mm, people are yeah. so afraid to ask. You're They're right. so embarrassed to ask. They don't want to impose. Um, and I coach on this all the time of yeah. in this self-care piece and in this life balance piece, right? Of, you know, think of it this way. If you never ask, you're actually robbing the people that want to feel close to you. You're robbing them of the opportunity to get close to you, yeah, to support you. Like, you know, and so many of us, we, we create these relationships that are one way streets. Like we're always giving, but we're never asking and we're never receiving. And that, that is a stunted, that's an emotionally immature relationship. We need it to be two way all the time. Oh, I love that. Well, and I love too, that the idea of setting boundaries with ourselves and with others, like that's something that's- I talk a lot about in my other Mormon feminist one podcast is like saying no to things. And, yeah. and, you know, we can't, my kids can't do soccer and dance and piano. And like mentally I will lose my mind being in the car that long and I'll be screaming and yelling, but just being able to say like, you can do this, but we're going to have to say no to this. And you're actually protecting your time and your kids and your Mm -hmm. sanity. Oh yeah. One of my favorite books around this, um, idea is the book essentialism by Greg Mm -hmm. McEwen. Good one. So, so good. Yes. So, so good. Um, yeah, boundaries, saying no, like deciding where you want to show up and where you don't, what are you available for? What are you unavailable for? Yeah. It's okay. Right. Healthy. It's totally healthy. Yeah. Like for example, my, I really struggle with carpool. Like it's just my kids freak out and I stress out. And so sometimes I have to just say like, I just can't carpool. I know it doesn't make sense. I know we're all going to the same place, but for me, it's just better if I don't you know, Good for you. and just knowing where you're, Good for you. where your bandwidth, you know? Yes. Yeah. I had a similar situation. Um, when my oldest was like in kindergarten, first grade, he has some learning disabilities and some, uh, developmental delays. And, um, you know, there's the signups that go around to have you come and volunteer in the classroom. And it's like the thing you have to do, right? Like that's the quintessential good mom is you volunteer at school. I went and volunteered once and mm. it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Like it was not, it was not good for my kid. Mm, yeah. He did not learn that day because he was like this little leech that wouldn't get right. off, you know, he, right. off my hips. So I decided, okay, that's a boundary I have. I can volunteer, like send me laminating and cutting projects home right. and I will help the teachers out that way. But I'm finding that, you know, it's actually not great for my kid when I show up. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you have for other, um, 
health coaches or other women wanting to kind of start their own business, whether it's in health coaching or not? What, what advice would you have? Um, that's a great question. I I've given this some thought. Um, my number, the first thing that came to my mind was like, have realistic expectations for yourself, um, for yourself and for the business. Um, and I think there's kind of two types of people, right? There's, there's the big dreamers and mm -hmm. like the really like big audacious goal makers. Right. And we want to like conquer the world overnight and like yeah. save the world. Um, and that's so beautiful and, and it's good. That comes from a good place and that is going to create goodness. And we get to be realistic that there's going to be a lot of time and effort and, and you have to be patient and let this compound effect of you you know, putting yourself out there and your expertise, let it mature, you know, let it take the time that it's going to take. And that's a hard thing. And I'm speaking from experience. It's a hard <laughs> thing to be patient with, it is. Um, but that's really, that's a real, that's a real thing. Um, you know, never before have we had um, opportunities like we do to go ahead and get certified as a health coach or as a life coach or, you know, business coaching, whatever it is. Um, and then like set up shop, all you need is an Instagram account or a website. And sometimes you don't even need <laughs> that. that. You just, you know, it's cool. Like there, cool. there's so much opportunity for us. And, you know, it is really great for women that do want to raise a family and they want to run a business like this. And they want to, they want to make a difference in people's lives. And you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too, because you get to set your own hours. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I work 20 hours a week. And I know what my full client docket looks like. And then when that's full, like then it's waiting less time, you know, and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, being patient in your progress, content mm -hmm. in your progress as you build that um, reputation, as you build the business. Um, one big thing that I see people run into um, with trying to, you know, be entrepreneurial and, and build a business around, you know, uh, you know, coaching and things like that is they think it has to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, just like in our health journeys, in our business journeys, we tend to, um, you know, orient outward, maybe a little too much and think, oh, well, you know, if she's doing it just this way, I need to do it just like that too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's more important to build a business that fits your personality and that plays to your strengths. Um, we're not here on this planet to be the same. We're here to like give our individual highest contribution. Um, so really like getting grounded in what is your personality? How do you want to show up? How do you want to market yourself? Do you hate Instagram? Leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, like you, it doesn't have to look a certain way. There's so many different ways that you can put yourself out there. So fitting your personality, playing to your strengths is huge. Um, and then the other piece for me is really like looking at building a business and being entrepreneurial. I see it as one of the best personal development programs you could ever create for yourself. Mm. There's so much development that can happen. So being open to, you know, what certifications do you want to get? Like what expertise do you really want to build? What skill sets do you want to um, hone? And is there is there highly qualified places that you can go to get that training and develop yourself and really like that's creating sustainability for you and your business. If you can build your competencies and your skill sets. Um, 
there's so many resources out there. There's a lot of crappy resources too. So like, yeah, beware, beware of the internet <laughs> um, <laughs> spider web out there that like find really well-credentialed, well-qualified people and, and places that can teach you and give you that personal development opportunity. Oh, I love that. That's great advice. I love that idea, especially of being like giving yourself grace, you know, um, I, when I had my social media business and it just kind of failed and I had to shut it down, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. But I, mm. I've heard from a number of people, like sometimes it takes a few times of trying business in different ways to like, y'all need a dry run. It's okay to have a dry run. And, totally. you know, I think just giving yourself grace that like, it's okay you, like you learn something along the way and then you try again. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's really no failure paths. There's only learning paths. Yeah. You know, like everything. So again, it's like, can we take the guilt and the shame out of the picture? And can exactly. we just look at this objectively? Can we look at this like a grand experiment yeah. and learn, learn and make these micro adjustments along the way? I love that. Well, where can we find your book? Is it on Amazon? Is it on your website? all of the above. Yeah, it is. It okay. is on Amazon. So you could just hop on there and just search my name, Danielle Dinkelman, um, or you can go to danielledinkelman.com. Um, awesome. The book is if diets don't work, what does? Great. That's exciting. Have you been getting good feedback about it? As oh man. Read it? It's, it's been extremely humbling and like a kind of unreal, kind of like an out-of-body experience really? to kind of work with my beta readers through that process. Um, it really, you know, and then I, I assembled a launch team and they, they all read the book before I self-published on Amazon. And, you know, you can go read the reviews um, that they left there. People that cool. have read the book, like it really, the goal of the book was really to create something that someone could use as a self-coaching tool. Mm, I love that. And that they could have their own kind of transformational experience, but in a way that's tailored to exactly where they are right now. Um, I really, in the book, we try to throw out the window, this idea of a one size fits all and that you have mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z, but it's really, you know, anybody that has experienced really high quality coaching knows that coaching meets you where you're at and coaching helps you just think objectively and think, okay, what's just the next step here? rather than this perfectionism standard of you have to do all of this, you have to do it right now and you have to do it perfectly. That's not sustainable habit change. Right. Okay? Um, so yeah, it was really humbling to see beta readers and launch team folk just feel like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've needed. This feels oh. doable for me. It's, it's awesome. I'm excited. What was that like publishing on Amazon? Do you recommend it? Um, like, what was that experience like? <laughs> Uh, talk about like learning curve, right? Mm -hmm. I knew that it was possible. I did hire a book coach, um, Tiffany right. Coffrin. I highly, highly recommend her. Um, I mean, definitely reach out to me if, if you're, if you're thinking about writing a book and you just need some guidance, I can definitely mm -hmm. refer you to her because she has done it several times. Um, self-publishing on Amazon definitely has a lot of hype around it. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of stuff out there of like, here's how to be a bestseller on Amazon and you can game the system. You can, you know, do all the things and try to do that. But I really quickly kind of came full circle to this idea of like, I'm not writing this book to be a bestseller. Right. I'm writing this book 
to make an incredible impact on the one, Mm. you know? And so like in the first week, I think I sold, gosh, like 28 copies in the first week. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and it was awesome. And I tell you what, I did not spend $1 of of advertising or marketing. That was organic. That was was real, like person-to-person stuff. And, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big goal setter, So am I. but I, I found myself like looking at that number 28 and I, I stopped and I was like, I'm going to honor this number. And I counted very slowly from one to 28. And I thought that's 28 individual people that this book is going to bless and that this book is going to help. That's awesome. Um, So it's okay that we don't like, it's not this go big or go home thing, even in business, even in getting a book out there. What I love about having it out there now is that it's the perfect like qualifier um, Mm -hmm. of future clients for me, you know, and people that maybe don't understand coaching yet or don't know that they want to work with a coach yet. It's a perfect thing to just say, okay, here, read the book, read the book. It's very easy for them to go through that process and then feel like, oh my gosh, first of all, I feel like I know, like, and trust Danielle, Mm -hmm. you know, I know what she's about. I know the types of things we're going to talk about because I read her book. And I know the types of things she's going to encourage me to do because I read her book. Right. Like that is, that's such a powerful business tool for me. So I definitely recommend it. If, you know, if you're in a business that you kind of find yourself like sharing with your clients, the same, the same type of thing, yeah. you can codify it. You can put it into a book form and it can be really powerful. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's really exciting. Um, Thank you. I thought you did a great job. I read through it too. And I thought it was really like clear, concise, very doable, not overwhelming. It was like having a conversation with you. You like, you could, your voice really came through. And I thought that was awesome and wishing you all the best. And thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for joining me on pink girl podcast. Tune in next time.